The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're really grateful to be here with you on this Thursday morning. We got a big show for you. In fact, we got a big week for you. Uh, you know, on Wednesdays, I get so excited because whenever we can, we have Dr. Doreen Grampichet live in the studio with us. I am sad to tell you that I do not have her live with us in the studio, but in just a few minutes, we're going to play uh, an oldie but a goodie of Dr. Grampy Shea so that you can uh, be hearing some of her wise wisdom. Then uh, later on today, we have Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. We've got three, count them, three amazing guests that are going to be with us. First of all, we're going to start off with Lisa Ackerman. She is the founder of the amazing organization known as PACA. And uh, yesterday there was a press release uh, that went out that saying that Taka is changing their name. And I think you're going to find it a very interesting name change. And I'd love to hear from Lisa to talk about what's driving that name change. I think it's a great name. I've, I've had preview on it and I, I am in support. Let us say that. Uh, in any case, she's going to be with us. And, you know, Lisa does our cooking segments here. She's a hoot and a half, let me just tell you. Nobody has more energy than Lisa Ackerman. And she's a pretty amazing woman who's had a lot, gotten a lot done for parents in the field of autism. So she's going to be talking with us about this new name change, um, Taka. What, what is the new name? Wait till you see. Uh, okay, then we also have Angeline Lowe is going to be with us talking about uh, her company, Apt Fitness, and being an expert in doing fitness with individuals on the autism spectrum and why that is her particular passion. That's going to be another thing that you're going to be very excited to see. And then we have Stephen Wood who is going to be with us. He's a special needs trust lawyer. I know uh, we always like to bring you guys information about what to do if you've gotten to the space where you can face planning for the future. It's an important thing. We all need to do it at some point because the truth is none of us is getting out of this alive, right? <laughs> That's, I, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make little of it and make fun of it because like everyone else, my stomach turns upside down and I go, but I want to be here forever for my kid. Unfortunately, that is not in the cards for any of us. And I just was reading a quote that my husband had posted on Facebook last night that was uh, from Sir Anthony Hopkins. And he was saying, we all need to face this reality that we're not getting out alive. And that means to live every opportunity right now, 
His suggestion was to eat the delicious food, jump in the ocean, do all these other things. You know, from an autism mom's perspective, I'm like, oh, no, there's other things that I want to do with the time that I've got here to make sure that my kiddo's okay when I leave. But this is the ultimate act of love when we make sure that there is uh, something to provide for them when we're not here. Not just something, but uh, you know, people lined up to be able to support that. So Stephen Wood's going to talk to us a little bit about how we can wade into that pool without overwhelming ourselves, right? I don't know about you, but I get paralyzed. I, I go, yep, I can hit. And then I go, oh, there I am. I'm the Tin Man, frozen in time, can't do anything more. So in any case, uh, that's our lineup for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. First, we're going to have Dr. Doreen Grampiche. But let me, can I just take one second to tell you about what we're doing tomorrow on the show? Because it's really super exciting. Uh, we're, of course, we'll do Jargon of the Day tomorrow. But then we have Tom and Emily Island on the show. And they're going to talk with us about what happens after school is over and I'm talking after even after college when it is down to brass tacks adult life for an individual on the autism spectrum you know we talk about the the cliff and how we uh, our our young adults get to a certain age and the cliff is there so they're going to be talking with us very positively about some things that you can do and Tom's the perfect example you know um, he was diagnosed on the spectrum and went on to become a CPA and now he's a public speaker and has a wonderful book uh, come to life out that everybody who's got a teen should be looking at with them. Uh, so he and his mom are going to be here to talk about the, some of the strategies that they've learned over the years for those years of adulthood and what to put in place before so that that transition is smoother. Um, but then of course we have Bonnie Yates on tomorrow answering your questions in live time. And then we are going to be joined by the fabulous Alex Plank. Alex has been on the show many times before. He's the creator of the website wrongplanet.net. And um, if you were watching The Good Doctor last week, Alex uh, showed himself to be a very wonderful, thought-provoking actor because uh, he played one half of the couple with autism that were on The Good Doctor. And he's going to talk with us about what that experience was like. So that promises to be super duper fun. Now that he's a big superstar, he's deigned to come and be with us and he's been very gracious about it. So that's a really fun thing. Can't wait to talk to him about that. So um, in any case, we are going to be here for the next two hours live, even though we're going to show you a pre-recorded thing. You can still be writing in questions and there will be some time if there's something that I can address at the end of Ask Dr. Doreen. But I forgot to show you all the different ways that you can participate. So Traven, show them uh, if, if you haven't already, some of the ways that you can talk to us here at the show. I want to remind you that our new website is on the old website site, which is autism-live.com. It's set up a little bit different than the old one, and I know change is hard, right? But it's super cool. Uh, when we're live, it'll say live at the top of the page, and if you click on it, it'll open up the box so you can be watching us live. At the bottom of the page, there's a little thing that says chat. If you click it and open it, it's like the live feature used to be. You type, you hit enter, there is no cost. You uh, don't have to uh, sign up with a credit card. There's none of that. One of the big differences on the new website, and I'm sure you're gonna find it annoying, but, um, what it does now is it has a pop-up window after you've watched for, I think, four seconds, a pop-up window comes up that says, would you like to subscribe? 
If you fill that out, what will happen is that you will get our weekly postcard letting you know that we're having a show, uh, we're having shows on these days, and these are our guests. And that's pretty much it. The only other time that we send you an email is if we feel that it's something earth-shattering, like when we get Temple Grandin to be on the show, because a lot of times it's very last minute, you know? So uh, we, we really don't, I'll, I'll be honest with you, we don't have the time to spam you. <laughs> we are way too busy, but also ethically, I would not be about that. So that's what that for, that is for that pop-up window. Uh, I do encourage you to fill it out. Once you've filled it out on your device, then that, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we asked it to be programmed so that once you had filled it out, you wouldn't be asked that every single time. But I, and once you click it, it goes away for that visit. Um, it is one of those things that it's just going to do that. We hope that you like our content well enough that you will subscribe so that we can let you know what's happening in advance. I think, I think that's a good service and not too, too annoying. Uh, I hope so. But you know what? If it isn't, will you please write and tell me? Because you know I like to have some feedback. You know that I say we do this together, right? Si se puede. So help me out. Let me know what uh, what we can do to make the viewing experience better for you. That is one of the big changes on that website. But you know, I'm always trying to tell you, we're, we, we come to you free in all the formats that we do. Um, and so it helps us to be able to do that quite honestly, when you guys subscribe. We don't ever sell your subscription thing, but when we say to people, look, we have this many hundreds of thousands of people who subscribe, we get better stuff on the show for you. We get better discounts to things. We get better things to provide with you. But guests come on, uh, quite honestly, bigger guests. So in any case, everybody wants to know. So um, I think that's pretty much it for now. Don't forget, in the next hour, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, but it's time now for Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is the... Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. I want to, because you know I love teachers. I'm a former teacher, and we have more and more teachers writing in, which just makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. uh, a teacher says, I have a student who is on a modified school schedule. He comes to school for math and ELA and two hours pull out. He is aggressive towards teachers on some days just because. I know that we need to understand what happens before the behavior, and usually it just happens as he wants to hold the teacher's hand. In my room, he can be completing work and fixates on an object, and he knows that if he finishes work, then he can have it. In PE, he just wants to run into children, pull girls' hair, hit teachers, pull their badges. We use social stories. We use if-then. I am not sure what else to do in order to help this student. And I just have to say, I love you so much <laughs> because a teacher who is looking at that and not just yeah. saying, you know, what's wrong with this child, instead saying, how can I help this student? You are the answer to so many questions and problems. Honestly. And I'm, 
And I'm so glad that you wrote in and asked this question because we didn't say before. Yeah. I, I didn't even do the opening for the Ask Dr. Duran. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, but we're welcoming Dr. Duran Thank Grand you Pichet, very much. And she is an expert in this field. I believe the preeminent expert in this much. field. She's going to be answering your question and other people's questions. I do want to put the disclaimer that she's not able to give individual specific advice in this format, right? We do our best. But absolutely, and I'm so glad that you're in her capable hands. So, Dr. Graham Pichet, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start all over again. It's all weird It's a pleasure, and um, yeah, I agree with you that this is an exceptional teacher, that, that you are an exceptional teacher. Thank you very much for caring so much, and this is what makes all the difference in the lives of our kids, is teachers who are truly... I just uh, trying to understand, and mm-hmm. that is fantastic. So let's just talk about that for a little bit. Um, it, in ADA, we're not trying to just understand what happens before a behavior. We're also trying to understand what ha- what in the past has happened right after the behavior, because that is possibly the reason that some sort of connection has happened. So there's a there's usually a relationship with the with what happens before the antecedent but only because of what happens after, the consequence. The consequence is where it's all at, because if the consequence is in some way rewarding, then the antecedent becomes associated as a signal. So in other words, it's like, let's say every time I do X behavior, um, I will get a reward. And it's not so much that what just happened before or after, it's the fact that that reward then becomes paired with something right before the behavior. So now, in this case, uh, you're looking at why, you're trying to figure out why this child is aggressive towards teachers. And you've listed a bunch of stuff, I'm glad you did that, because it, it, the first thing it points out is that behaviors, a behavior, a challenging behavior, like let's say tantruming or, or hitting or whatever it is, can look the same, it can have the same topography, but it may have multiple different reasons, different functions. It doesn't always have to be the same reason. And in this particular case, you're thinking, okay, it usually happens as he wants to hold the teacher's hand. In my room, he can be completing work and fixates on an object, and he knows that if he finishes work, then he can have it. So in other words, I think what you're trying to say is that he wants the object and does, has a hard time waiting to get the object before he finishes. That's a very simple process that you can teach him. What is the function? The function is he wants access to a tangible. He wants access to this reinforcer, and he's having a hard time waiting. Okay, so what you do is you actually give him a reinforcer as soon as you hold his hands, and you start to shape the behavior. You start to increase the duration of time gradually. It's as if you have a food item in front of someone and they want to grab it and eat it because they're so hungry. And all you do is you start by saying, wait one second, okay, now you can have it. Wait two seconds, now you can have it. Wait five seconds, now you can have it. And that's all you're doing. You're going to shape that duration of time that he has to wait for the reinforcer. So the first day you'll hold his hand, give him a reinforcer immediately. Second day, give him uh, hold his hand, wait five seconds, count out loud with him so he knows it's coming. One, two, three, four, five. You want to make sure he's successful. So do 
make sure you give him the reinforcer before he tantrums or whatever it is. Make it 10 seconds, make it 30, make it a minute, and so on and so forth. And that way he will gradually learn to wait. Because what happens with our kids, this is a very important thing I find with all our kids, they don't understand the concept of time. This is very true of young children as well, and just typically developing young children. And when you say wait, they don't know what that means. They don't know that means, okay, you're gonna have your reinforcer in one minute, or five, or 10, or tomorrow, or never. And what they, don't, they also don't understand the difference between tomorrow and one minute. So when you say wait, to them it means no, you cannot have your reinforcer. And that's why they lose it, because they don't know it's imminent. It's, they just think, okay, I can't have it, so I might as well throw a tantrum, because I really want that reinforcer, I'm not gonna get it. So this is really important to always remember that we need to kind of help our kids with some sort of visual when it requires waiting. Visuals would include a timer, so the child knows that this timer, as it's moving towards and when it, there is a it will end, time will come when I get my reward. An egg timer where they can actually watch the sand. On, on our phones, there's a lot of different types of timers that show like a bar gradually redu reducing and then a, a buzzer goes off there or a clock or there's multiple visuals that help the child see that they are getting closer and closer to their reward. That is extremely helpful to kids. Um, and then you just mentioned that in PE, he just wants to run into the children, pull out the girl's hair, hit teachers, pull their badges. To me, it sounds like he's very active or has a hard time s regulating himself in PE. And so I would really suggest that you try to get him, social stories are not gonna work with this. Social stories are a very, very calm type of thing that it requires cognitive activity. To me, it sounds like he has just a lot of hyperactivity going on in PE, and he really needs a one-to-one -one aid for the PE period, where someone who can help uh, control him and then teach him to self-regulate his behavior. What should happen if he had a one-to-one -one aid is that the minute he does anything inappropriate, he is actually removed from PE and put into an activity that is not uh, doesn't allow him to hit people or so on and so forth and it shouldn't be a fun activity by the way it should be work it should be school activity so that if he wants to get back into PE he has he realizes that I can't hit people I can't pull their hair etc and to begin with there should be someone there the whole time that's blocking this behavior so he doesn't even have the opportunity to do that sort of thing and this is on the assumption that he likes PE there's also the possibility that he hates PE and that he does these activities in order to be removed. That's why an FBA becomes very important, a functional behavior assessment, because like in that case, I would ask, what happens? What do you normally do when he pulls people's hair and hits the teachers, pulls their badges? What do you guys do with it? Because whatever it is that you're doing is what's maintaining the behavior, and you probably need to be doing the exact opposite of that. And so those are the things that help us understand. If you're more interested in figuring out the functions of behaviors, go on IBT, the Institute for Behavior Training website, and go in the teacher section and go in something that talks about doing a functional behavior assessment, a module on FBA. That's where you really learn about understanding the functions of behavior and how you can identify why a child is doing something. That'll really, really be helpful.
Okay, I, and I love that you talked about that it could be that he's loving Jim but doesn't know how to be appropriate and regulate himself, but it could be the opposite. As soon as I you know, saw that there was stuff that was happening in PA, PE, my first question is, especially this time of year, we're used to being in Southern California where outside. it's beautiful and outside, but a lot of times, because I, I grew up in upstate New York, and a lot of times kids are put into an old gymnasium mm -hmm. that's all sound reflective. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? And a lot of our kids have Absolutely. sensory issues. Absolutely. And, and so he may want out of that room totally because right. he can't handle it. Totally right. Also uh, very possible. Very, but, very uh, possible. So it, but thank you for writing in um, and take check out uh, Institute for Behavioral uh, Training. And and if they wanted if she wanted to do the SIFA. Mm -hmm. Definitely, there is an indirect functional assessment on there, and you can certainly use it for this child or any other child, mm -hmm. uh, and that's on skills um, on, under the BIT builder, I the believe. BIP builder. BIP builder the, yeah. on skills, right? Yes. It is, yeah. I don't know if you can access it alone still. We used to allow people to just do the BIP builder. You can purchase um, just the BIP builder, but if you want to look at the whole thing, yeah, um, you do, you can do the 14-day free trial. That's right. Um, and you, so you would go to skillsforautism.com, and in that you could look at the BIP builder. If you decide that all you need is the BIP builder, there's lots of different ways that you can purchase the BIP builder. For schools, they can buy a package of BIPs. Oh, that's even better. So, you know, if you had 10 kids that you that's want, you perfect. could buy a package of 10. That is perfect. Or, you know, whatever. They can customize it for whatever exactly. whatever you need. Tell them Shannon sent you. Ask for the friends and family discount. Uh, that's perfect. <laughs> right? So skillsforautism.com. Uh, okay, should we take a break or do you want to go to the next question? We can go to the next. All right. Uh, hello, Dr. Doreen and Mrs. Shannon. This is from India. I have sent questions in the past and your advice has been extremely helpful. Thank you. My question today is how does one explain about autism to a nine-year-old cousin? Mm -hmm. My daughter is eight years old uh, with PDD-NOS. Nowadays, he gets very frustrated that he cannot interact Aww. and play with her. Also, that she repeatedly watches the same videos on YouTube over and over. We have told him she is slow to learn, but he cannot understand that uh, he keeps saying she's so smart. She knows computers, etc. How can she not play with me? Um, and are there any awesome. book recommendations that we can suggest? God, I love this cousin. What I a know. sweet <laughs> I know. That's amazing. I love that he recognizes that, that she's so smart. she is smart because she can do all these uh, things. certain things. Like yeah. we need more people like him in the world. A hundred percent, and what a wonderful kid. I would, I would actually, uh, I, I don't think it's so much, I, you don't want to encourage him to give up. Let me put it that way. Yeah. You kind of want to just teach him how to interact with her. I mean, if you have a child who's that motivated to get your child to interact, let's enlist him. Like, let's bring him on board and teach him how to do this. So my recommendation would be, in terms of just explaining autism, I would say very simply, I would explain to him that yes, she is very smart, but she has a hard time understanding social stuff. So it would be things that involve play and so on. And he's nine years old, so you can definitely get him engaged and involved. And actually, uh, you should probably start having him try to teach her how to play. And so, for instance, um, I'm trying to think where I can guide you to go so that you can see some of the things he could do. And I think 
you'll probably find some great ideas again on IBT Institute for Behavior Training's website, uh, which is ibehavioraltraining.com. And there, if you look under teaching play, I think is where I would look, teaching social behavior, teaching play, uh, you, it's just short videos and you can look at them and then you can help him understand how to do those things. And then if you go on skills, there's a whole play curriculum. And it, if for a nine-year-old, you'll be looking at more of the advanced stuff for an eight-year-old. And it'll be cool things, like it'll be things that they're both interested in, perhaps on the computer and so on, but it'll be uh, teaching him how to, let's say, socialize back and forth, have a conversation. That's probably, you might also want to look on skills under um, the social curriculum, not just the play curriculum, but under the social curriculum, you'll have a lot of things like social communication and social play and social interaction. And these are, uh, when you read them, they'll be too complex for complicated for a nine-year-old to understand, but you'll be able to understand the lesson, and then you'll go back and have a lot of ideas on how to engage him. So uh, I don't think you wanna like explain to him that she just can't do it. I think you wanna explain to him, like I, you know, encourage him and say, I love that you wanna try to teach this to her. Like, you know, just explain to him that people are good and bad at different things. Like you might be good at some one thing, but not so good at something else. And she's just not so good at social stuff. And so can you help teach that to her because it's really important for her. Yeah. I, somebody, I didn't invent this. Somebody else said it to me, and I find that I use it with young kids all the time because this, uh, this gets to be like the thing when we're out at, like April is coming and we're going to be at a lot of different events. People come up to the booth, mm -hmm. and this is what they have. And somebody had said this to me, so I now use it because kids get computers, the difference between a Mac and a PC. Okay. So you're a Mac, yes, she's a yes, PC. Yes. You both can do the job. You, you know, it's just, but if you input PC information into a Mac, it spits it back out. Right. You got to right. learn the language, right. but it absolutely can do it because he understands that she's smart and she's capable, but doesn't understand why his input isn't getting there. It's true. And then you can teach him which input to, you know, and have him, you know, say, and you can teach her your language too, absolutely. but it's going to take a little bit more time. Absolutely. And since she asked about books, I will say that one of the books that I love is Holly Robinson Pete wrote, uh, co-wrote a book with her daughter, um, Elizabeth Rose, and that's uh, called My Brother Charlie. Because that's awesome. she's a twin and her, her brother is on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so they wrote a children's book that's all about how, you know, they do some things that's differently. Amazing. and. So that's the book that I like and that's that I awesome. recommend. And Very you can nice. find it on Amazon. You can find it in most bookstores um, nice. because Holly's pretty well known. Yes. But um, but what a great kid I and what I a great that. mom. That and terrific. Everybody, Absolutely. Everybody's spectacular. I want to say we had this comment come in from YouTube that has me really choked up because it means the world to me. Ari has written in and said, says, I have Asperger's and find this community very understanding and helpful. You're all very wonderful and informative. You have all helped me deal with social problems and school. Aww. And I just want to do the happy I dance. Thank you, Ari. We love you. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back with more of your questions. So stick with us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. 
For the month of March, we're going to be making a reindeer. And what's really cool about this project is that the steps are pretty simple, so your kids are going to be able to practice a lot of their fine motor skills when making it. Another bonus is that once the rain stick is completed, you guys can use it for a bunch of different programs under cognition and executive functions. Things that deals with, you know, seeing versus hearing, or using it also for auditory memory. But we'll get to that later. First, we gotta make the rain stick. So, the materials you'll be needing are a paper towel roll, tape, paper, aluminum foil, rice, and any kind of materials you want to use to decorate your rain stick with. All right, let's get to it. So the first thing you wanna do is get a piece of tin foil that's about double the length as your paper towel roll. So I got this, and now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna roll it up, like so, and I'm gonna wrap my paper towel roll with it. Okay, and don't worry if it's too messy, okay? This is to give us a basic shape. Now once I've got this, I'm gonna make it a little bit tighter and I'm gonna roll it and stick it inside of my paper towel roll. I wanna make sure that it goes all the way through the paper towel roll. And what this does, it acts like a buffer so the rice will go down slowly through the tube. And see how that's in nice and in there? Okay, now that I have that, I'm gonna take a piece of paper and cover one side. And I'm gonna take a piece of tape and secure it over the bottom. All right, now that I've got this on, I'm gonna take my rice and pour it in. All right, now that I got the rice in there, I'm gonna seal the other side. Now that this is constructed, don't forget to use your imagination to decorate this any way that you want. And here's my finished rain stick. Don't forget you can decorate yours however you see fit. I decided to use tape and pipe cleaners, but you could always paint it, add sparkles, just whatever you feel like doing. Now that this is done, let's take a listen to it. What does that sound like to you? I think it sounds like rain too. What does rain look like? Ah, that is what rain looks like. You can ask them a whole bunch of different questions using this after it's already been made. Well, until next time, craft on. Bye guys. Can you see me? Can you see me flying by your side? Welcome back to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. We have Dr. Doreen Grampichet here with us and she is answering your questions in real time. I want to go to another question that came in to us online. Uh, Dear Shannon and Dr. Doreen, just want to thank you both for all the help you've given me in the caring for my four-year-old boy with severe autism. With all the information, I decided to try the skills program. As I'm not a therapist, I just try to use any of the skills I think he could possibly be able to learn. The program is a great help. In fact, he has helped, uh, in fact, he has started to use words. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? Since I started last year, he can now request for food, drinks, and some toys he likes without 
without any prompts. He sometimes asks for potty, but mostly runs to the toilet to let you know. His eye contact has improved greatly, and he is a lot more aware of his environment. The question I would like to ask is, uh, quite often his voice is very hard to hear, and I don't know if I can help with this. Thank you, and this is uh, our... Irish mom, one of our Irish moms that, that writes to us from time to time. That's amazing. That's so awesome. I'm so happy to hear that the program is helping you, and that's fantastic. Because, you know, a if you're uh, just doing this off of skills and your child is responding well to it and he's only four years old, he's pretty high potential. So I really encourage you to keep going because he's already done all these things. Yeah, so um, also have his hearing checked. If you, I, I would have his hearing checked because a lot of times when our volume kids, our kids who have a hard time with volume, there's some, you just want to make sure his hearing is intact. And then also, I'm, it's possible that he has certain sound sensitivities so that our kids learn to lower their volume uh, if they themselves find certain sounds to be very harsh. So it, there is a way to work with it. Uh, the way that you explain loudness is that you get the child to do a physical activity, like for instance, jumping on a trampoline, and then that will, that will increase his uh, intake and exertion of air. And as soon as you increase the air, the volume goes up. And so then you reinforce the louder volume, and therefore the child learns that what you're looking for is louder volume. And you pair it with, so what you would do is basically have the child jump on a trampoline a little bit and ask him questions, and then you would reinforce, good loud, good loud. And you want to teach him loud and soft, and you want to say, as opposed to, I'm talking loud. So he starts to understand what loud means. And he, through the trampoline activity, your physical activity, he also learns how to produce loud. And then that way he will start to do that. But it is a, I see this with a lot of kids, so I wouldn't worry about it. I think it comes, it starts because our kids are sensitive to certain sounds themselves. Okay, great, great advice. Uh, moving on, uh, this came into us last week on Women's Day, and they said Happy Women's Day to us. Mm. Is it appropriate for a six-year-old going on seven to start an ABA program with CARD? Mm -hmm. uh, my son has been diagnosed with mild autism and has a very high speech delay for his age, very minimal vocabulary. His general public school does not seem to be cutting it with him, only getting 30 to 45-minute sessions with a therapist twice a week, with, uh, with one being a one-on-one. -on -one. I asked to bump up the amount of time or sessions per week in our last IEP, but was sadly told by the therapist that her hands are full at the moment with other more severe children and she would have to look into her schedule. Okay. <laughs> well, every, yes, everyone take a breath. We're both going to take a deep breath <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, it would be very appropriate for you to start a program with us. We would love to have your child. Um, we have children of all different levels at all different ages, and it is terrible that your school is only doing a couple of hours with your child, and it is more terrible that this therapist is just saying, I'm sorry, I'm busy. Um, it isn't the therapist's responsibility, it is the school's responsibility to find you therapists who are available to provide the therapy for your child. 
And one to two hours has been shown to not be successful in the long run. Anything below 10 hours is usually not enough. So I would highly recommend that you do two things. Well, if you just contact us and we start treating your child, we will probably be using insurance funding, if possible, to get the services that your child needs. Um, if we end up having to use uh, school time, then we will help you um, also fight for funding in the school district and increase those hours. One to two hours in the public school is just kind of a joke, to be honest with you, and they should be supporting you much, much more. And it, yes, it's really important, and that this is what happens, unfortunately, when our kids are very high-functioning. They do tend to get ignored because uh, people think they only have to deal with the children who are severe. No, the high-functioning children are the ones that get more depressed and anxious as they grow up, and then behaviors occur a little bit later. So uh, we have to take care of those children as well. Yeah. I mean, on the legal side of this, there's so many things that what they oh, yeah. have said to you are, that oh, are yeah. completely illegal. I just want to empower you to know that your child is entitled here in the United States to a free, appropriate public education. And there isn't a dollar limit to that. There isn't a copay to it. Your child is just entitled to it. And if the school can't provide it, they have to pay for someone else to provide it. And they can't say, we can't afford it. And they can't say, well, and, and believe me, because uh, the state of Texas just got slapped down hard for this. Uh, we covered this a couple of weeks ago that the state of Texas had a quota of how many students got special education. And it was like 8%, mm -hmm. which is like 10% less than the average. And the Supreme Court found that they were in violation mm -hmm. of human rights and asked, t gave them a week to find a plan to correct it. They can't just say, well, we're only gonna give it to the most severe kids. The fact of the matter is, is that if your child has a diagnosis, they have a legal obligation to give them a free, appropriate public education. And one of the things that I always say to people, when you go to IEP meetings, tell them that you're gonna tape record, bring the tape record tape recorded because one of two things will happen either they won't say stupid things like this right and i'm sorry to use that word no, but that's it's absolutely a stupid it, it thing really for this is. person to absolutely. say um and it's illegal so they either won't say it or somebody will say something stupid and then it just streamlines everything because as soon right, as you catch right. somebody saying something stupid on a tape recorder oh suddenly there's funding for all kinds of things so you have to protect yourself Take the you have to tell them legally that you know when they send you the IEP invitation, tell them I'm bringing a tape recorder, um, put it in writing so that they can't say that they didn't know. Yes. Bring the tape recorder with you, turn it on, and and then the other thing that you must do is make sure that you maintain a certain decorum. You you know if the tape especially if the tape recorder is going, you can't yell, but you shouldn't anyway. Right. And if you need to take breaks, you say we need to take a break. Right. And you step outside and you know, go into the bathroom and scream into some toilet tissue. <laughs> I know parents honestly, that have had to do honestly. that, right? You do whatever you have to do so that you can uh, maintain composure because there is a, you know, a record of it. Um, but, you know, if you want to know more about the legal side of it, write back to us. Uh, we are not having a live show tomorrow, but in two, uh, two weeks we're, we have Bonnie Yates back. And we can we can fill you with knowledge about the legal side of this because it's just ah, 
Yeah, it's so frustrating yeah. that this kind of thing still happens. It's pretty amazing. It's horrifying. But they don't let them push you around. You can ask for an emergency IEP. And, and if you want to, bring the tape recorder to this one and say, well, I was told that she's too busy and that she has more severe kids to deal with. And if the tape recorder is worrying, and it, worrying while you say that and somebody who understands realizes it, they will be all over that right and correcting that if they don't understand then you know it's time to go higher and say you call the superintendent of schools and say hi this is what was said and i have it on the tape recorder um things will happen things will change very mm -hmm. quickly mm -hmm. uh okay but email me if you want to know more s.penrod at autism live.com i'm hurrying because i want to try to squeeze in a couple more questions sure um i need help just getting started <clears throat> to get my adult daughter diagnosed correctly and find her resources to teach her life skills and social skills too we are in phoenix arizona area and just don't know where to start right and so we are fortunately in phoenix mm -hmm. um we've had a center there for quite a while and i would start by reaching out to the card center in phoenix we work with adults children all different ages and we would be happy to help her figure out her life skills and social skills we would start by assessing her we have a really great program now for adolescents and adults i have to say and if you're interested in learning about it <clears throat> go online and look for um, skills Living. living skills living <clears throat> and um, you'll see it it's pretty cool it, it really goes into all sorts of adult skills and uh, it, it starts with an assessment very much like skills for children and basically uh, you'll answer a lot of questions about her and then it'll help develop a whole program for her so and then of course we also have the individuals there the therapists and supervisors who can help provide that and we're very interested in helping people in phoenix i'm actually trying to really um, increase our presence in arizona right now okay and skills living is fabulous i've seen it and i just think it's remarkable i'm going to try to squeeze in these two last questions hello my twin grandchildren are four years old mm -hmm. and are diagnosed with autism my daughter is overwhelmed there is no ABA where she lives in rural Wyoming. They are nonverbal, have poor sleep and eating habits, and are not potty trained. Mm. They have speech and OT at their preschool, but it's not enough. What would you suggest we start on first? The special education teacher at the school will help us make a plan to get their home life some structure. There's very little right now. I'm at their house every afternoon to help. They are going to start a PECS program at school. They point wine and lead to communicate thank you i just found out about your show and love it loving you right yes, sending you that's you air hug i know you're new so i want to translate that's an air hug for grandma because yeah. i'll tell you what sometimes you know it's it's called circling the wagons and sometimes a grandma can make all the difference in the world so i'm so glad she has you <clears throat> absolutely and um i would start with educating myself if i were you i would start with um if you and your daughter and son-in-law um, and others in the community uh, let's say um, other friends or neighbors or whoever you can gather who would perhaps become a support team like this is where i would start honestly yep. i would pick about maybe five to ten the more the better people who are interested in helping 
and I would gather everyone around at night when the twins are asleep and one hour every day or as much as you guys can handle maybe more on the weekends or if someone can watch the twins while everybody's doing this um, I would start on the Institute for Behavior Training website. I would go on IBT and I would one by one go through the modules and some of them are short, some of them are a little bit longer, but they're all generally very easy to understand. And I would just start learning what, how, all about autism and behavior management and teaching so there's a you know you basically want to first learn kind of what is autism and what are we looking at and then you want to learn about what is aba how do we what's the whole background of aba how does aba work applied behavior analysis and then you want to and that'll just be a couple of hours and then you want to learn about sort of two things which is teaching skills and uh, reducing or eliminating challenging behaviors and they go hand in hand so for instance if the child uh, points to something and you don't give it to them, they will probably tantrum. The pointing to something is kind of a communication. By the way, the fact that they're pointing in itself is a really good sign. So please, um, you know, see how they're whining? They're whining because they can't talk. If they could vocalize, they, will, they wouldn't whine. And if they can't vocalize, then somebody can help. So you can teach them everything non-verbally as well. But, but I think the best thing to do is to start educating you on these things. And if you can get a team of people together, I would, I would make people responsible for different things. For instance, um, one of you can be very responsible for getting, get, uh, putting together a schedule of therapists. So what we did with a lot of families before there was funding in, in most of the U.S., is that they would hire um, local kids or you know high school kids or people in the neighborhood or whoever wanted to help cousins neighbors etc and each person would volunteer to do let's say two hours of work a week with the twins or four hours of work and let me tell you it, we've done this with kids and it's it starts out a little bit rough because the children are not even used to sitting and learning something much less uh, you know, become being compliant and so on. But, you know, we'd start with very basic lessons like come here and sit down. And if you can, and you know, compliance lessons really help the child calm down and realize that they're about to learn. So I would put one person in charge of putting a team together, one person in charge of making sure everyone in, the t in your whole group receives this education through IBT. And one person, maybe yourself or your daughter, whoever is able, in charge of becoming familiar with skills. And skills is where you'll get the content. So really what you're doing is you're training yourselves on the technique, and then skills is where you'll understand exactly what each child needs to be taught and in what order, kind of like how do I teach compliance, how do I start language, how do I start social activity, and so on and so forth. And I know it sounds really overwhelming. All of that sounds pretty overwhelming. So one of the things that we do here at CARD is you can, we can provide you a supervisor who can A, come and visit, and B, talk to you on the phone and uh, actually observe the twins on, on video and on um, VoIP, you know, on, on FaceTime, for instance, and help you figure out uh, how to do things and what to do. This is all possible but it really without some guidance it'll be very hard like it's just hard and therefore and time is passing 
and it'll become less and less, uh, it'll become more and more difficult as they age. So the sooner you get someone involved, the better. And um, getting a supervisor from us is not that expensive. You don't need someone for lots and lots of hours. I don't know the insurance situation in Wyoming. I'm guessing if we're not there, it's because there is no mandate yet. Um, if there is a mandate, hey, we'll send someone out to you and start providing services to you right away. So we kind of need to figure all that out. So I'd start by maybe getting on our website, getting on the skills website, getting on the Institute for Behavior Training website and start getting some information. And Shannon, I don't know if you have time to guide them a little bit, but yeah, it sounds I mean, it, like they need some help. You can always write to me. I, I, I put that out to everybody. S.Penrod at autism-live.com. Uh, you can write to me and, and I can help to sort of break some of what Dr. Grampiche just said down. I just want to say, when you know i'm sure yeah. that it feels so overwhelming but i want you to know that other people have done it and and also i think what a lot of people Absolutely. they go they they start to shut down because as soon as you say hire people people go oh yeah I there's can't no do it. there's no money yeah. i can't afford it and and i, I just want to say I love, since we talked about Holly Robinson Pete already this hour, in her, she did a blog years ago about the eight things that everybody needs to understand about autism. And number one is that nobody can afford it. No one can afford it. Like maybe Oprah is the only person honestly, who can afford it. Honestly. honestly. So, you know, that aside, I want to let you know that there are a lot of people who have found a way to make it work. There's a, a lovely family that uh, was in a very rural community and they had a little one little girl, you've got twins, I know that's more, but skills had just come out. They got their um, church involved and made it all happen and nobody got paid anything. Yeah. It was all volunteers. We've seen people go to their local Kiwanis club, uh, the, the Knights of Columbus, We've seen sororities adopt a child and donate their time and have the sorority sisters. There are ways. So, and you might find a different way that will inspire all of us, but just know that people have done it. It is possible. And I'm certainly happy to be a touch point to help guide you uh, along the way because I feel for your daughter and I feel Absolutely. for these little girls and I feel for you and they deserve to have functional communication and be able to communicate and we know that that can happen yes like that can happen it just means you got to have enough people working on enough things and knowing what they're doing absolutely and that having if they had if those two little girls had functional communication and that might be pecs that might be an iconic uh, communication system it and it might transition to speech at some point if they had that, your daughter's life would instantly be so much better. And if there was a regimen going on and she had help and support and could rest, boy, who knows what could happen. Absolutely. And, I mean, so, and it's one of those situations I feel so terrible right now for you because everyone is overwhelmed. But as soon as you get it under control, life changes completely. Oh, it will be like night so, and day. Yeah. Um, and so I, first, I just want to say you're not alone. Right, right, and you know we're right. we're here talking to you about this, and I'm happy to talk to you more. We can even talk on the phone, um, and congratulations that you're doing this, and and that it is infinitely doable. It really is. Um, okay, we've got an email. If a child goes to school uh, which does not provide any therapies, the 40 hours ABA is necessary beside the school hours. 
Um, no, so essentially when we say 40 hours, you can't really be in school and do 40 hours. It just ends up being too many hours. That's 70 hours a week, so that's crazy. So, But uh, realistically, depending on the child, if the child is younger, I usually pull the child out of school and do all ABA. Uh, if the child is older and has to be in school, then I try to work with the school to do some ABA in the school as well as at home and after, the, after school at the centers. So basically, the, the, it's not just 40 hours, it's like all waking hours. So as much time as the child is not occupied with something meaningful, they should be doing ABA. Okay, and last question, because it's 11 o'clock straight up. Uh, somebody wants to know about the BCAT. Can they do it in the United Arab Emirates? They can. Yes, they? you can do it online. Mm -hmm. It's all online. Just contact the uh, B. ICC, Behavior Intervention Certification Council. They have their own website and it has all the information about the BCAT on there. Okay, but you can do the BCAT mm -hmm. through uh, IBT. Yes, you? you can get the, you can take the coursework for the preparation through IBT, Institute for Behavior Training, and then you take the exam, which is administered through the Behavior Intervention Certification Council. And you can do all of that online, and yeah, you can do it there anywhere. There you go. Thank you so much for it's being here. It's a pleasure. With us. Thank it's you very much. It's always a pleasure. Do you provide care services to someone with autism? Recently, more and more children are being diagnosed with the condition and getting the support they need as awareness grows. But what happens to these children as they grow up? It's estimated that over half a million youth with autism will turn 18 in the next decade, and they'll be faced with a very difficult reality. As children with autism grow up, their services start to disappear or become very difficult to access. Things like medical care, mental health counseling, vocational training, and more. All services that are still desperately needed. The loss of support that youth with autism face as they grow up is so severe that it's referred to in the autism community as falling off a cliff. Adults with autism need the same level of support they had as children to avoid falling off the services cliff. Introducing Skills Living, the web-based software designed specifically to help transitioning youth and adults with autism so they can avoid the cliff and instead fly to success. With Skills Living, Help your learner with autism develop the skills they need in all the critical areas of adult life, including self-control, planning, and problem-solving, effective communication, performing life skill tasks for independent living, acquiring and maintaining employment or other meaningful activities, developing and maintaining social skills and relationships, accessing transportation and public services, and being safe. Skills Living includes a comprehensive assessment, a data collection mobile app, behavior intervention plan builder, and automatic progress reporting. It also provides a complete curriculum addressing 16 key areas spanning the entire range of functioning adulthood. Skills Living is easy to use and can be implemented by schools, parents, and autism service providers. Call or click today for your free demo and see how Skills Living can help your learner with autism avoid the cliff and instead reach their fullest potential. Skills Living. Wish. Learn. Become. Hello and welcome back. 
Uh, we just have a couple of minutes before it's time for Let's Talk Autism, so I just want to address a couple of things on Facebook. I'm saying hello to Rosie and hello to Helen. Uh, glad to see you. I'm doing good. How are you? Ashley says, I need help when it comes to funding for my child to go to school. He's 14 and will be in high school. Is it going to let me see next year? Uh, he's in public school, but there is a school called the Gateway Academy in Houston. It's $34,000 a year. I can't afford, but I really want him to go his high schools. Can anyone give me advice for funding? Public is not cutting it. Um, if you can demonstrate why uh, the public isn't cutting it and um, and if it is the only place that will serve his needs, I've seen parents get that kind of funding, but it's rough. It's super rough to do that. Uh, I would suggest starting a GoFundMe um, and, uh, and then let's talk some more about that. But people have done it. When there's a will, there's a way. Um, okay. And then Yelsa says that she's watching. I'm so glad that you guys are, are there and watching. But Ashley, um, it's, I know it's a lot, but many, many, many parents have, have worked it out before. It just depends on how bad the public school isn't cutting it. And perhaps tomorrow with Bonnie Yates, we can talk a little bit about how you mount the case for a private school when the public isn't cutting it. I will uh, message her in just a minute and tell her that we want to add that into our topics, okay? Um, all right, we are going to take uh, a break here, and then we're going to be back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson is here with me already, uh, and she's going to be uh, joining me when we welcome our guests. First up, Lisa Ackerman from Taka is going to be unveiling their new name, which is very exciting. Then we've got Angeline Lowe is going to be talking about the fabulous APT Fitness Inc. that she has started. And then finally, Stephen Wood is a special needs trusted uh, lawyer who's going to talk with us about what we need to do to make sure that our kiddos are okay when we're not here. All of that's coming up after these messages. Stick with us. Parent to parent, you might be asking yourself sometimes, why does my child have meltdowns? Well, the difference between tantrums and meltdowns, tantrums, they're a part of typical development, but meltdowns are when things get a little bit more out of control, when even the child isn't sure what's entirely wrong. Generally with a meltdown, there's an environmental component. There's something else going on outside the child that's making the tantrum worse. It's really important that we start to be detectives and take notes and look around at the environment and start to figure out what are the things that happen every time your child has a meltdown. And lastly, it's important to get help. You really can't face these kinds of things effectively completely on your own. Tantrums, they're a part of typical development, but don't accept meltdowns as something that just happens. Make sure you get help and support. You might be asking yourself if your child has autism. Hi, I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're at the ABCs and XYZs of Special Needs Conference. And this year, for the first time, they've got something really remarkable. It's the Entrepreneurial Boutique. These are all items that have been made and are being sold by individuals who have special needs. So we're going to do a little shopping and talk to some of these fabulous entrepreneurs. Come on.
My name is Molly Rarick and I'm founder of Reed's Gift. We're a nonprofit that serves teens and adults with special needs like Chase here. Uh, we were founded in 2013 and serve people in the Conejo Valley, Santa Barbara, and LA. Our main objective is to give our participants the skills they need to gain a more independent life. My name is Shelly Cox and um, Lisa Zalagi and I are founders of Creative Steps and Create Micro Business Enterprises. And the, the items that we're selling here today are all made by the clients who have uh, passions about what they want to make and then they get the profits from what they make after we've paid all of the other expenses. We are here today because um, I, my goal is to be independent and also I would like to share all my artwork and I would like to sell. Thinking about at his young age being a businessman, you know, it's, it's amazing. I cannot be more proud. Lisa Ackerman, welcome back to Talk of Facts. Um, I, we hear questions all the time and we want to give you the answers that help make your journey in autism easier and more navigatable. Less than a year ago, we interviewed the top 100 doctors in the United States working with children on the spectrum and we asked them a question in the cloak of secrecy. What are the top three mistakes parents living with autism do? Number one, and my, the one that makes me laugh the most is when they use their physician as a marriage and family therapist. <laughs> one, the doctors told me it made them uncomfortable, and two, they were highly unqualified to provide that type of advice. So the night before your physician appointment with your MAPS doctor, get together with your spouse, significant other, and write out the list of the targets and the agenda that you want to cover at the physician's appointment. Get in sync then you'll be definitely spending less time and not making that doctor so uncomfortable. Second thing that was the most common mistakes parents living with autism make is they wanna to go too fast. And really, you wanna pace yourself in the autism journey. We all know that we wanna get our kid to be the best they can be and hopefully recover from autism. And what a lot of the doctors have told me is that you wanna really pace yourself, one, to let the labs be your guide and to work with your physician on the prioritization and the, the delivery of the different medical interventions. The third most common mistake they felt families made was giving up too soon. And what you need to know is they're invested. Um, they're looking at wanting to get the best from your child. But I tell you that when I got that and consolidated the 100 interviews with these physicians, most of the doctors who brought that up had tears in their eyes. Um, they want you to know that they're in the fight with you and they want you to know that hope is really real. It may take hard work and it may take time, but to not give up and to stay in the game. So let TACA help you. We'll have some more TACA facts for you in the future, real questions and real answers for the autism journey. Parent to parent, you might be asking yourself, why does my child stim? 
Well, first of all, let's talk about what stimming is. Stimming is a slang term for self-stimulatory behavior, which is kind of a misnomer anyway, because a lot of the times when our children engage in these kinds of behaviors, they're not to stimulate themselves. Sometimes they're to soothe themselves. So first of all, we want to get rid of the notion that it's to stimulate themselves. But they do do these behaviors because there's something about it that feels good. And that's the main thing that we need to know as parents. It's not some random behavior. There's something about it that's giving the child a paycheck. And once we get an idea of what that might be, we need to find a behavior that can take that behavior's place and start to reinforce that. We want to pick something that's more socially acceptable. So if, for instance, the child is doing a lot of hand flapping because they like seeing their blurred fingers, then we can find something else for them to focus on, maybe a toy that does blurred colors. So for a period of time, they'll focus on that. The main thing to remember, though, is that there is a reason for these behaviors. There's something about it that feels good to the child. And once we know that, we can begin to change it. There's a phrase that's being used in the autism community called stimming. Lisa Ackerman here from Taka. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspaugh-Jackson. I'm Shannon Penrod. And, and as I said, we have our good friend Lisa Ackerman here, Executive Director of Taka. And we're going to uh, have a big announcement here about Taka because it's no longer what you once knew, our viewers, as talk about curing autism. Lisa, tell us about the new name change. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, Oh, I'm glad to be here. Sorry about the mess behind me. I see a stack of papers and books that I need to read. That shows you're a busy <laughs> person and intelligent. Don't you read all those things on Facebook? And if you swear, it means you're super intelligent. Oh, that's all. I don't know about that. It's just uh, <laughs> coffee and wine, you know, depend upon the time of day. But, yeah, here, I'm excited to announce the new name of Talk About Curing Autism has changed now to the Autism Community in Action. And I'm thrilled to come on your show, Autism Live. You guys have been friends forever. And uh, and share all the good news with you. Yeah, tell us why you changed the name and what the significance of the new name is. Yeah, the, the Taka name uh, came about when we sat in my living room with about 30 families in 2000. And our whole goal was to move towards uh, a cure for autism uh, in alignment with Cure Autism Now. Uh, now, as you know, that's part of Autism Speaks, and what we have found is we would get calls for research money and emails on a regular basis to receive funding. So rather than have confusion, we want to really talk about what we do, and the Autism Community in Action really describes who we are perfectly. Yes, what and do here, you do? What is your mission? So everybody knows once again. Oh. Our mission, I love it, we have it right here, uh, to provide education, support, and hope to families living with autism. Um, and we're just thrilled what came along with um, the new name is our new mission statement, uh, but also our vision and our values. Uh, and I'll, I'll send this off so you have it. I, I love 
when I look at this because it really encapsulates who we are and our our vision is for every person diagnosed and living with autism to lead an independent life. Um, it's a much bigger goal than we ever had before because our goal is for every person with autism that needs help, they get help, but also uh, to live their dreams and their hopes uh, so they can have a meaningful quality of life. I love this this new title. I love. I said to you yesterday. I said you clever, clever woman, uh, because it's it does fit exactly what I think you do and have been doing. You've always been about the word action, and you've always been inclusive. I I have admired for years the way you have brought a group of people together. And, and starting in your living room, and now anytime I go anyplace, you can see the Taka people, the sea of t-shirts, and the people with smiles on their face because they're taking action and they have hope. And I love that it still spells out Taka so that we don't have to all switch our way right. of thinking. We don't have to go do something else. We can still call it Taka, but the, the core of it now, I think, fits exactly what you guys have been doing. So you clever, clever woman. Um, let's yeah, tell it, the... wasn't, it wasn't me. <laughs> We're not that clever. We have a great team, and actually, just you know, Dr. Tracy Fritz gets the credit. She she knew that we um, were looking at the opportunities for renaming the foundation, um, so we wouldn't have confusion with regards to research because that's not our mission. Uh, so Tracy, Dr. Tracy Fritz, who's a math doctor, uh, actually came up with it, and we all high-fived her. She got a free T-shirt, so we took care of her. All okay, right, good. at least she did that. So for people who are new to TACA and don't know what an amazing resource you are, let's run down how they can reach you, how they can participate, and then let's talk about some of the events you've got coming up this spring. Yeah, really, um, right now I'm just so thrilled um, we're now in 31 states across the United States, uh, so we have physical chapters that bring community together. Uh, for the states we've yet to get to, we still support you. We have all of our programming and um, access to information where you can get help and hope uh, and education. So um, the things that we do, the fun stuff is are those meetings, our conferences, our parent mentors, scholarships, website webinars, uh, autism journey guides, uh, all of those things are accessible across the United States. And um, we do quite a bit more, but that encapsulates uh, what we do to support families living with autism. And you've got a big, you've got a big um, couple of months coming up here leading into April. Can you tell us some of the new things you're doing? Yeah, the, we, March, uh, first and foremost, um, what we love about March is seems to really kick off IEP season for families, um, special needs kids and autism. So uh, focus across the United States will be how to deal with your school district and your um, IEP process uh, and making sure you're ready as a family to accurately describe your kids' needs and work with your team and, and get the services that are going to best help make the most progress for your child. So that's March. And March also includes the kickoff of our East Coast National Conference. Uh, that's in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, we've got quite the lineup um, with Dr. Mercola, Holly Robinson-Pete, and Dr. Daniel Antonin. And I just love having them involved, and we're excited about that. 
And then Nancy, like you said, Autism Action Month will probably have uh, somewhere close to uh, 150 different activities across the United States. Uh, the main one that we do on the same day, April 11th, is our National Coffee Talk Day. Last year we had almost 100 meetings, and those were places where we have chapters and also new places. And we're looking forward to kick that off and uh, help hundreds of families. And you've got new chapters that you've added on, correct? Is you're launching this month? Oh, and that I was hoping you were going to ask me about that. Sorry, mm -hmm. I get so excited. So um, we're going to launch new chapters in Arizona, Alaska, Missouri, and South Carolina. Uh, and I'm just so excited. Some really great people, of course, across the U.S. help talk uh, reach families, and these are some new friends. Uh, that we're pulling together uh, to activate in their community, and we're so excited. Great. That's very cool. Lisa, we admire you so much in the work that you're doing and appreciate your time. I, we want you to come back and do some new cooking shows at some point. Hi, let's cook. Right I'm on. Yeah. Um, talk a fact, talk a cooking, talk yeah. whatever you it's time. Up, we got to we got to work out some new dates uh, to film. Yeah. Because uh, we so. Well, I would love to know from autism life friends, you know, what kind of things they want to make next. I've got a list that okay. I keep a running list of uh, food that uh, we've converted from good old um, old cookbooks that sit all stained in my living room and in my kitchen. Um, I we've reworked them to be allergy friendly, gluten free, soy free. Uh, casein free and sometimes nut free if you're not into nuts. Um, so we do a lot of different recipes, but I'd love to know from the autism live community what they would like to see next. All right, we'll put the call out to them. And tell us again, uh, wh where's the website where we can find out more information and where's the blog? Because I love your blog. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, everything can be found at takanow.org and that's T A C A N O W dot O R G. The blog link is right on the front page. Our name announcement, including the blog, press release, and a short video is up on the front page as well. And how to find our conference, our new chapters, and free services are all there too. Okay, great. Thank well, you thank so you. much. And congratulations Lisa, thank you. Yes. on the new name. Congratulations on that. And as always, thank you. I really appreciate you both so much just helping us get the word out and, and sharing, you know, how we want to help even more families. So thank you both. So much. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye, Lisa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, love, 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 Lisa Ackerman. Yes, and the uh, new name is fabulous. Isn't it? Really it does. Makes great sense. Yeah, it makes great I sense. I think, um, you know, ends a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, like she was saying, the misconception about mm -hmm. research, but ends a whole lot of other conversations as well. It's very uh, in keeping with what they're doing. Yeah. So you got to love that. All right. Uh, it's like everybody, because you guys got a new name this yes, year, too. Yes, we did. We and are so, now um, Autism Care Today. Which because, is still the act. Yes. Um, but you guys got a new logo, too, which I we really do. like. I really like your new logo. Um, so, in any case, a lot going on today. We four went in the news so that we could have Lisa because we thought that was the news right? Um, for today. So, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to be joined by Angeline Lowe from Apt Fitness. Yeah, Inc. a fitness expert in autism, so, so there specializing you go. in autism. Stick with so us. We'll be back. 
say howdy, we say hi. Let's get right, let's get wild. Let's get, let's get, 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 let's get wild. Hi, welcome back to Autism Live. I'm Lisa Ackerman. Uh, we're here doing allergy-free cooking, and I brought my sister with me today. Jamie Davis, thanks for having me. A lot of people are asking about a allergy-free breakfast, and Breakfast can be full of crap. You know, it, breakfast, but it's full of cereal. crap and it's hard to do. We yeah. don't have time in the morning. We're in a hurry. We're going completely nut-free. The recipe is not Personality, good. we can't do yeah, anything can't about. Yeah, can't do anything about that. So we're going to start off first with, um, I'm using sorghum and brown rice flour. I find the texture good. And I've added some flaxseed meal. We talked about that last time, flaxseed meal for poop. Almost every one of our kids has a poop issue. What's next on the recipe is the quinoa flakes, baking powder, cinnamon, and the xanthan gum. It brings the glutinous texture back into the flour. And often what happens with these recipes is they can fall apart. This one holds up nicely. I like it. For the folks that are egg free, we have a ton of egg replacers. One of those can be the arrowroot starch or bringing back some additional flaxseed. So there's a lot of options to go eggless, but we're gonna go egg full in this one. For sweetener, I use the maple syrup. I stay away from refined sugar. What I'm adding now is the coconut uh, milk, maple syrup, and a little bit of the coconut oil. And we're gonna add in the raisins, craisins, and chocolate chips at the end. I find that chocolate chips can coax people to eat some really amazing things. When we started, Jeff had 42 food allergies, so we had to get creative in how we cooked. So nuts were a big, big issue. What I like now is that he can tolerate so many more things after start doing this diet. So let me show you how you can deal with this um, sticky stuff here. You get your fingers really wet and you can push it down. So my oven has been preheated. It's at um, 350 degrees. So we're gonna just throw this in. Like I said, I like it around 23 minutes, and the magic oven says, I'm done. Looks like. Don't you love magic ovens? They're awesome. Here we go, pops right out. The texture of these, and it's so pretty, it looks almost like a big chocolate chip cookie, but you actually made it healthy. But you can be wow. my guinea pig. Tell me what you think. It looks really good. Doesn't it? So the textures and the colors in there are just beautiful. So the raisins are for you, the chocolate chips are for your kid. I can't believe it's gluten free. I know, right? It doesn't taste like, you know, crap. crap. <laughs> <laughs> We're wrapping up another cooking show. If you have feedback, you can email us at autismlive at gmail.com. We're of course on Facebook. You could go to facebook.com slash autismlive. And of course, Taka Now has thousands of recipes. Join me there and we can um, cook some more later on. So thanks for joining us. Talk to us a little bit about what your degree is in. City planning or urban planning. I got it from Cal State Northridge with a degree in cinema and television arts with an emphasis in screenwriting. And what are you interested in, Eli? Um, a video game internship. Computer programming? I'm hoping to combine entertainment and travel, my two passions. Ooh, what kind of jobs have you worked? Baking inventory. Okay, inventory. Talk about your volunteer job. Uh, I'll push you to help the soldiers. You volunteered to help the soldiers? Yes. I interned in the National 
parks in the Santa Monica Mountains, which is very urban mm-hmm. area. So I work with the uh, situ- problems of how it's impacting the surrounding community, like the, uh, the flow of traffic and the flow of people and what they could do to plan in the parking. I've been to China. I've been all around Europe. I've been to Thailand, Japan, Australia. You can create an app? That's impressive. Really cool thing. Can you teach other people how to make yeah. an app? If you have a choice between uh, working or not working. Working. You like working. Yes. Why? What do you like about working? It's just fun. I would work. Yeah? You would choose work? Why? Because I feel more less. Um, get um, get paid and enjoy, enjoy it and want to make sure I have enough money so I can save it. Why do you need to have a full-time job? I mean, it's kind of like a duh thing, right? No, obviously, so <laughs> yeah. I can support myself right. and hopefully a family down the line, but at least at first, my, myself. I'm very dependable and uh, always reliable and get to my job on time. What excites you about working a job or being an intern? Learning new skills. Yeah. What has it meant to you having this job and having the stability of a job that you've had for multiple years? It's meant the world because I'm able to do everything that almost everything I wanted to do because of that job. functioning autism. So a lot of people don't know that I'm autistic, except they do see some quirkiness. Right. And then when I tell them I'm autistic, they say, well, you don't look autistic uh-huh. because they only have that relation to Rain Man. Right, of course. And does that infuriate you a little bit? Well, I don't really get so infuriated. I just kind of get aggravated that um, society is not more aware of the different types of autism on the spectrum because you know people say oh I like Big Bang Theory and then I tell them well Sheldon Cooper is autistic and then they say but he's not like Rain Man and I have to explain to them well you know there's it's a broad spectrum so not only are you a Florida paralegal and certified in all kinds of personal training but you're also uh, single-handedly re-educating the world about these (laughs) uh, you know uh, these archetypes that they have in their minds, but I, I appreciate it because you're creating a better world. Let's talk a little bit though about you as a child and how you found fitness to be something that helped you. Well, my father was in the military, so ever since I was old enough to stand on both legs, he he just had me starting with soccer. I did racquetball, gymnastics. I did almost every sport imaginable, and. I only saw him a couple days a year because he was in the military, and that was how we spent time together is we bonded through fitness, and he just ingrained it in me. So throughout my life, you know, every time I, I did exercise, even when he wasn't around, I just always felt like I was bonding with my father. 
And then uh, when I met my co-founder of that fitness, he was a manager of a gym in Miami, and he noticed that I would spend about seven hours a day at the gym. And at the time, of course, I knew I was autistic, but I didn't exactly understand why I felt so much better. But the doctors explained to me that it was allaying this, this stimming and that it was acting as, as sort of a medication, which, you know, I think is great because medications are a lot overprescribed and they also are very costly. So some of them are not accepted by the insurance company. And that's, that's why exercise is so important to me because it helps me not only cope, but it helps allay the stimming, the stimming symptoms. You say that exercises, exercise uses the same motor functions involved with ASD and ADHD, giving the functions another outlet, right? Yes, because it basically exhausts the motor functions, so then you're no longer stimming. It's kind of like um, when people take Adderall or Xanax or something, it kind of calms you down, and that's what the, the exercise is doing, essentially. I think this is so important for our parents to hear. I also think, Angelina, it's so important for the parents of young girls on the spectrum to hear this because we, we don't get to see enough adults, period, on the spectrum having the opportunity to have a, a platform to talk about this, but especially young women. So I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. But then let's talk about you went from being somebody who found that exercise helped you. How did you get to the point where you thought, okay, if this helps me, then then certainly maybe it would help my community. Let me get to be a specialist in that. What what happened to make you realize that? Well, over the years, um, I've been working in the legal field, and it's just very discriminating towards people on the spectrum. Even with they, even if they do know that you're on the spectrum, they're not willing to work with you. Like I've been. Um, ostracized for not smiling at my coworkers, not laughing at their jokes, even when their jokes are not funny, um, for giving fake laughs and fake smiles and things like that. And so I just kept finding myself more and more involved with different exercises to sort of cope and, you know, to help with the, the stimming and stuff like that. And I decided, well, you know, I spend so much time in the gym and so much time exercising, why not use that to show other people? And what type of exercise tends to be best for those on the spectrum? Is there one type, or do you uh, promote all types of exercise? Well, that really depends. People ask me that all the time, but it's just like anyone else because, you know, if you need core strengthening, whether or not you're autistic, but you have a high little hernia, you can't do a lot of those exercises. So it's something that you, you really have to talk to them about your health issues and, um, you know, flexibility and things like that. Because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Right. And are there a lot of trainers out there working with um, those in the autistic community? I know about two years ago when I researched it, there were only two that I found in the entire country that were marketing themselves as autistic personal trainers. But they're not themselves autistic. They just provide the services for the autism. Uh -huh. And one of those people actually started his own, I think it's called Autism or Autistic Fitness. It's Eric Chesson. And he does have certifications for anyone that is in personal training that wants to be certified specifically for autism. Well, since there's so few of them, how can um, someone find out if they have experience with autism, who should they go to? Well, um, for me, I'm registered with Autism Speaks and some of the local organizations, so it's just a lot of networking and things like that. I also spend a lot of time networking with mental health providers so that if they have someone that they think could benefit from my services, I can always offer it to their clients. And, and the reason that we're nonprofit is because people spend so many, 
so much money on medications and different modalities, some of them that never work. So I want to bring exercise and make it affordable to people who would not ordinarily think that they can afford it. Wonderful. And so you're in Central Florida, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So how wide of, I'm geographically not with it, but how wide of an area, like, do you service so that if families are in that area, they'll know, okay, I can get a hold of her and, and participate? Well, right now I'm offering services at homes, offices, parks, things like that. So I go to their location, and right now it's just in Seminole and Orange Counties, Florida, which is basically um, from Sanford all the way to almost Disney World. Wonderful. Okay. And does talk about how people can reach you. How do they find you? They can find me on the Internet at www.actfitness.org, and uh, you have to use the www in the beginning, or they can also email apt at apt-fitness.com. I'm quicker with the emails. Um, voice, or I'm sorry, phones, they can reach me at 407-900-1610. I also have a calendar on my website of the different things I'm going to be at and the different educational seminars where I'll be speaking. I would love it if you would take just a minute. You, you have some very wise words about adaptation, and I, I would love if you would share your thoughts on that with us. Well, a lot of people are ashamed of being diagnosed with autism. I get a lot of, of um, parents that say that their kids are ashamed of it. They're either in high school or, or I get adults that come to me and they don't want to come out, so to speak. And I try to explain to them that they don't have to necessarily disclose that they're autistic, but at the same time, they can't have expectations that people are going to want to accommodate them. You know, if you see someone in a wheelchair, you know that that person needs some sort of accommodation, but you can't look at someone and say, oh, they're autistic, so let me know how to accommodate them. And, I mean, it's just, I'm not saying that we should, you know, become different people, but we, there should be some sort of level of adaptation. It's just like Charles Darwin, you know, for us to survive, just like any species, there is some sort, some form of adaptation. We can maintain our true identities while blending into society. And then also Irvin Goffman had this, this sociological theory, dramaturgy. It's how we choose how we want people to react around us. If we learn to blend with society, then the more willing society is to accept us rather than fear us and, and think, oh, we're abominations or, you know, we're something that, that they just have very negative perceptions of us. So if more of us actually stood out and said, you know what, I'm autistic and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, then less people would think that, you know, they would uh, more likely retract that negative stigma. Right. I think you're, you're an inspiration very, you to a lot of folks, uh, Angelina, and especially... Uh, to the young girls in our community and their parents because we need more role models like you. Thank you. And okay. so um, apt fitness, and if you're in Central Florida, and uh, what a great way to um, add something to your child's life that helps them on many mm -hmm. different levels. As you've said, this can help with ADHD, depression, anxiety, and other cognitive and neurological conditions. But additionally, it can help with some of the, the different things that come along with autism. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, again, the website, uh, uh, is it apt at apt? No, that's the email. What's the website, Angelina? It's www.aptfitness.org. 
And also my services are for families too. So it's not necessarily just for the person with a diagnosis of autism. It's also for the families because, you know, um, some parents and siblings understand that sometimes it's a little bit difficult to interact with their family members. So I, I show them some group exercises and things they can do to have positive communications and positive, positive interactions with each other as well. Do you think you're ever going to do like a line of videos or something? Because I got to tell you, you're exactly what I need right now, <laughs> uh, honestly. And I wish you were in Southern California because I would be like, you know, can I have an appointment tomorrow? Um, but, do you, but maybe, you know what I want right now and I've been looking for and I can't find it? People sell workout DVDs. And I don't know how to put a DVD into our TV system anymore. I don't, I'm like, I don't even know how to do that because I'd have to open up the Xbox and I don't know how to do that. I'm waiting for somebody to put things that you can stream on your computer or your mm -hmm. phone or onto your smart TV that I can subscribe to. So, Angelina, I'm just going to throw that out to you. If you get around to making a couple of, uh, don't make a DVD, but stream it for us and, and I'll subscribe. How's that? Okay. Yeah, I'm actually working on more videos for the YouTube channel, and we do offer online personal training, but the online options are more for people that are more disciplined that don't need to, uh, that are self-motivated. Oh, uh, well, that's okay. not going to work So you're on me. YouTube? <laughs> are you on YouTube then? Yes, but I don't have a whole lot of videos up okay. yet. But I, I mean, I'm working on it. That's one of my goals this year is to get everything up and running. Uh, right now, I'm just focusing on networking with mental health providers. I also have massage therapists, um, attorneys, different people that can offer services to people with autism. That's great. You're a nonprofit, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, very good. Wonderful. Right. Thank well, you thanks so much for joining for being us. With us. Thank you for having me. All, All right. right. Bye bye. Good luck. Bye. Yeah, I wish she was in right. Southern California. Uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna look up her YouTube channel. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we have our third and final guest who's going to be joining us here in the studio. Stephen Wood is going to be with us. He is a special needs trust lawyer. Yes, which a lot of people glaze over. I, I, I said earlier, I said that's when we all go, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about this, right. Uh, but it's a, it's a necessity to talk about. It is Very a necessity. Important. We're going to do it in a little bit so that we don't make uh, me or anybody else be paralyzed, and we'll try to make it as fun as possible. That's right. I always want to promise ice cream after we <laughs> talk about these things. But we'll, we'll try to come up with some reinforcer yeah. for you. So we'll be back with Stephen Wood. All right, stick with us. You say howdy, we say hi. Let's get loud, let's get wild. Let's get, let's get, 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 let's get Hi, welcome back to Autism Live. I'm Lisa Ackerman, Executive Director of TACA. We're gonna bake again. All right. It's my lovely assistant. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lucero. We've heard so many people go, I want a decent chocolate chip cookie for my kid to eat. We've got um, all our dry ingredients. So I've got the flour, I've got the flaxseed meal, baking soda, baking powder, our gum, or xanthan gum. Great. So we're gonna get started in the mixer here. So there's our dry ingredients. Um, I do have uh, brown sugar. We did cut this down. And the one way to do that is my favorite, and that's maple syrup. I'm using egg for this recipe, but we could use more um, uh, arrowroot and also um, the flaxseed meal. So I'll go ahead and throw my eggs in here, which I love doing. So, and then the last thing is a shortening and a gluten-free casein-free butter replacement. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw this in. 
Um, I've let it sit out for a while so it's nice and soft. So let's go ahead and mix this thing well. These are dairy-free, soy-free, and I really like them. Again, Enjoy Life is a great product. It's also nut-free. And chocolate chips are a personal thing. I won't judge you if you use the whole bag. I would. I know, right? <laughs> so here we go. Great recipe. It's the nice consistency. Um, everything's ready to go so we can enjoy our cookies here in just about 10 minutes. We want to give it a kind of like a couple inches between each cookie. You know, a lot of people are really concerned about aluminum, so what I've done is I laid down my uh, natural brown um, parchment paper and Jen's helping out putting the cookies down. So we're separating uh, the nice baked good that's all organic uh, from the aluminum cookie sheets. So let's go put these Great. in. So magic oven allows me to pull the last ones out. And voila. Yum, looks good. Really great cookies. I'll let you have a bite so you can see my Vanna White there too. Mm. Yeah, these taste pretty good. good. Really good. Mm. We're going to come back later after I gain five pounds and <laughs> eat this entire tray. For sure. You know, more feedback is good. So if there's something you want us to convert, like mm -hmm. a, another recipe or maybe a relative main, just let us know. AutismLive at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook. Or there's thousands of recipes on the Taka website just waiting for you to explore. You can go to TACANOW, T-A-C-A-N-O-W dot O-R-G. And we'll see you next time at Autism Live. Hello there, fellow activist. You're an activist because you're making the world a better place for someone living with autism. Now on Autism Live, you learn all about your children. You learn about their bodies and their brains. But this empowerment moment is all about you. It's about your heart and your soul. Now don't worry, I'm not gonna have you start singing Kumbaya or doing chanting. Let's talk about blessings. One of the blessings of living with a child with autism is learning to love them unconditionally learning to love them despite all the ups and downs, all the sacrifices. In fact, you learn to love them more so because of them. I call this my empowerment prayer. God grant me the wisdom to see my disability as an opportunity, the courage to love my child unconditionally, and the faith to live a life of purpose. So going from the sublime to the ridiculous, I have a little song for you today. It's a rap song, so I know that an old or, okay, middle-aged white woman rapping just doesn't seem right, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. My style is a little like Nicki Minaj meets Dr. Seuss. Nancy's Autism Rap. It's just a diagnosis, your life's not over. Don't lay there like a dog, get up, Rover. You say your head is spinning with GFCF, ABA, IEPs, and neurofeedback? Autism's tough, that much is true, but you'll survive because you're you. Your life's not over, it's just begun, so walk out that door and go be someone. More Dr. Seuss than Nicki Minaj. Until next time. Stay strong and keep the faith. And we're back.
Yes, we are. Yes, and as promised, we have yet another guest today joining us. Uh, we have Stephen Wood. He's the founder of Wood Law Offices, Wood Law with offices in Newbury Park in Orchid, California. Now, this is a bit of a mouthful. You're, the, you're a state bar of California certified specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. That's right. right? I'm going to make okay. Nancy say that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to warm up for the show. That's a mouthful. It and, is a mouthful, yeah. Yeah, and you have helped hundreds of families plan for their special needs children. You're, ex you're an expert in this field, so that's what we're going to talk to you about today. Great. All right, first this of all, what is a certified specialist? So a certified specialist is so somebody who's taken a second bar exam and been recommended by their peers, so other attorneys, as an expert in their practice of law. Okay. So you're a glutton for punishment. You've taken the bar twice? Uh, once wasn't enough. Okay. I wanted it twice. <laughs> All right. Well, the end result is something that helps our community. Mm -hmm. uh, so w we need to find out wh what exactly is estate planning? Great question. So a lot of people, they come into my office and, and they think, well, I don't even know if I need an estate plan. I just need a trust. Okay. Well, estate planning it's not just for rich people. Sometimes people, they focus on that word estate and they think of Oprah Winfrey in Montecito with her estate. But estate planning just means, all estate means all of your assets. So your car, uh, your home, if you own a home, your cash, your retirement accounts, all that stuff. It's about planning for what will happen to that in case you become incapacitated or upon your death. So a definition that, that I like with estate planning is one I've heard before is, it's, a, it's about three time periods, now, incapacity, and death. It's about planning for controlling your assets while you're alive and well, uh, taking care of yourself and your loved ones if you become incapacitated. And then upon your death, it's about giving what you have to who you want and when you want. And it's about accomplishing all the above while avoiding court, court involvement, so probate court. Yeah, if you don't have an estate plan, what's going to happen? So that's a great question. If you don't have an estate plan, the state of California has one set up for you. Okay. So everyone needs some level of estate plan uh, because if they don't have one, they're on the default plan. So that's probate court. And that, I don't think people realize, correct me if I'm wrong, if mm -hmm. you go to court, a significant portion of whatever monies goes towards having to pay people for having gone to court. That's right. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of court fees. Uh, the attorney fees are very high. Um, also, if you have a special needs child, it's going to have some devastating consequences. Okay. okay, so we don't want that. We don't want to be on the mm -hmm. default plan. But how easy can it be for us to not be on the default plan? <laughs> uh, it's, it's very easy. It just requires going to an attorney who knows what they're doing. Like so, you. Like me, exactly. Okay. Somebody so. who's taken the bar twice. Right, yeah. That's right, okay. A two-timer. How does a trust figure into all this? We hear a lot about a special needs trust. So a special needs trust is a, is a type of trust that allows you to leave money or other assets to somebody who has special needs who may qualify for means-tested public benefits, such as SSI or Medi-Cal. Because if you have too many assets, uh, they, the person who, who's on those benefits will not qualify for them anymore. Right. So that's the problem. So if you have a special needs child, a child who has, who has autism, for example, and you leave them a bunch of money, they're probably going to lose their Medi-Cal, they're going to lose their SSI, or other benefits that they have to, to help them with their rent or other things like that. 
but we can come to somebody like you and mm -hmm. figure out a way that it does work with all of those things. So we could leave money to our children. We just need to have it in a certain way, correct? Exactly. So when you have a child with special needs, it's important not to give them money outright. You want to give it to them in a special needs trust. And a trust, by the way, to, just to define that term, mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's three key players in a trust. There's a grantor, a trustee, and a beneficiary. So the grantor is the one who sets up the trust. The trustee is the one who manages the trust according to the directions that the grantor put in the trust document. And the beneficiary is the one who benefits from the assets in the trust. So just a simple example here of a trust. Mm -hmm. Let's say if I have $5 and I say, hey, I want you to take my daughter to ice cream, here's $5. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, who's the grantor? You're the grantor. Clear. I'm the grantor. Who's the trustee? I'm the trustee. You're the trustee, because I and I gave you five dollars. Right. And I gave you directions. And who's the beneficiary? Your daughter. The child. My, exactly. So that in its simplest form is a trust. Okay. All right. Well, that's a, a pretty interesting thing. Um, what talk to us? Because you've got all these terms here that I'm like, ah, <laughs> what's a letter of intent, and how does it work with a special needs trust? So a letter of intent can be a very important document along with the special needs trust. It gives instructions to your trustee on how to manage the trust for the beneficiary. So for example, let's say you're, and it's not legal directions on what their responsibilities are. It's more like, hey, what does the beneficiary like to do? Maybe the beneficiary is a hockey fan. So I want you to, to buy tickets for the beneficiary you know, three times a season for an LA Kings gang or, okay. or something like okay. that. Or the beneficiary, it's important for them to have contact with their siblings or their cousins, and maybe they live far away, so it's, a, it's okay for you to pay for travel to see those family members. Okay. And, but you mentioned it's not necessarily legally binding. It's, it's, a, it's a letter of intent, literally, that mm -hmm. you're saying, I, I would like for you to do it this way. Do you ever exactly. have problems where somebody doesn't follow the letter of intent? Well, it stems to finding a trustee that you trust okay. who will follow that letter of intent. Right. Um, so that, that's an important part in the decision-making process. When somebody meets with me, we talk about, okay, who's going to be the trustee? And, and I tell them, this, these are good qualities of a trustee. Let's right. go through people you know. So, so it's for, I, like, I would think of it then, it's almost like a transfer of values. Saying, right. this is mm -hmm. what's important to me mm -hmm. in, the, in this person's life. And then you transfer them to the person mm -hmm. who's going to carry it out. Exactly. And that, that's particularly important when you have a beneficiary who can't advocate on behalf of themselves. Yeah. Um, you want to give the trustee as much direction as possible. Okay. What does, um, we've, we've heard a little bit about what a trustee needs to do. Um, who can be a trustee? So a trustee can be anyone. So it could be a family member. It could be a friend. Um, it could be somebody that you really trust. Whoever it is, I mentioned trust. you got to trust your trustee. Yeah. Uh, that's the most important quality of a trustee is trust. What if you don't have somebody that you trust that you can think of that you would want to be a trustee? Or somebody who's, maybe you know people that you trust, but they're not willing. Because mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a responsibility. It's, it's a lot of work, yeah. yeah. So even though there's no court involvement, it's people think, oh, it's a piece of cake. But no, it's, it's still a lot of work. The trustee has a lot of stuff they need mm -hmm. to do. Um, if you can't find an individual who can serve as trustee, you can hire a corporate trustee or a bank, for example. 
Um, they do charge, usually it's a percentage of the trust every mm -hmm. year. Um, and a lot of banks don't serve as trustee of special needs trusts. More and more banks are. I think they're, they're starting to get it and they're trying to get in. They're more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. um, another great option is what's called a professional fiduciary. So this is a person, an individual, or a group of individuals who they serve as trustee of trust. That's their job. Mm -hmm. And so they, they will serve as trustee of the special needs trust, and they'll, they usually charge an hourly rate. Um, but they don't start charging right when you name them. Some people think, well, if I put this person in the document, they're going to start charging me, right? You say, well, no, it's not until they start to act as trustees. So if you become incapacitated or upon your death, and they start acting, that's when their fees start start coming in. So it's important if you do choose a corporate trustee, a bank, or a, a professional fiduciary, whatever you choose, it's important to meet with that entity mm -hmm. and decide, okay, this is somebody who understands my values. I understand what they're going to charge and how they're going to charge. Um, so it's important that you're comfortable with that with that individual. Okay, so let's talk nuts and bolts that, you know, I'm a parent and I come to you and I say, okay, I got to face this. I might be ready to this week. What are the things that we do, you and I together, to get us to the point where I have it all set up? What, what do you do? Yeah, so this is, this is my <laughs> process. It'll be pretty similar among attorneys. So uh -huh. what I do is I, I schedule a complimentary consultation mm -hmm. with the person or with the, with the parent. And I give them a questionnaire to fill out. And that just tells me personal information about them, family information, um, their financial information. And we'll use that during the meeting to effectively guide the meeting. And they can write down you know, what they're concerned about most uh, for their child, for example. And we can discuss that. And so at the consultation, we really just discuss, okay, what's an estate plan? I do an estate planning 101. What's a trust? How does a special needs trust figure into it? And a lot of it is just about education mm -hmm. and helping the, the parents or the, the clients be empowered to know, okay, this is what I need and this is what I want. And then I would imagine there's paperwork that where we decide mm -hmm. who the trustee is and that there's something you fill out that legally makes them the trustee. Right. So, so we talk about the design of their estate plan. So mm -hmm. they will have their own trust that they will set up. And so they will be the grantors. So let's say if I take myself for an example, I will take my assets as the grantor and I will put them into a trust. So they go from Stephen Wood to the Stephen Wood Trust. Mm -hmm. And if one of my beneficiaries has special needs, I will indicate that when I die, that beneficiary will get their, their inheritance in a special needs trust. And the special needs trust will be written within my trust or it could also be a, its own document that it will go to that trust. But you're walking us through all this paperwork so that we don't have to go research and go, which paperwork do I have to have mm -hmm. and where do I need to file it and where are you take somebody from point A exactly. to point Z and take all the anxiety out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite things about my job is people come in, they're stressed. Right. They, they don't want to meet with an attorney. Right. And, uh, and we talk and, and they understand more of what they need to do. And then once, and they walk away feeling so much better because yeah. they're, they're more informed. And when they sign their documents a few weeks later, I mean, it's like they're walking on air. They're like, I can't believe we got this done. Mm -hmm. And I always hear, this was not as bad as I thought it was mm -hmm. going to be. Mm -hmm. right. This was easy. Well, that's, but, you, you offer these services. Is it, e is it easy to find an attorney that 
offers these kinds of services? Uh, it's There's not a whole lot of attorneys who really understand special needs trust. When you find an attorney, you want to find somebody who knows about their area of law, and a good way to find somebody that um, that you can feel confident knows about their area is by finding a certified specialist. So mm -hmm. we talked about that a little bit. Uh, but also finding somebody who has experience with special needs trust. So if, if you're meeting with an attorney or you're talking to them on the phone, ask them, do you know about special needs trust? Uh, have you done a lot of special needs trust? Have you ever done presentations on special needs trust? Uh, because it's, you know, every estate planning attorney doesn't necessarily know how to do a special needs trust. They right. just put the boilerplate special mm -hmm. needs trust in right. Now you started by saying that a lot of times people go, well, I don't, I don't have an estate. Mm -hmm. And uh, is this something that everybody needs to do or do you need to have a certain amount of income or assets before this is worthwhile? So the average mm -hmm. autism parent who has zero savings, but they own mm -hmm. a car, maybe they own their home, maybe they don't, should they be doing this? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because, like I said in the beginning, somebody, everybody needs some level of estate plan. Okay. So, if you have over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in assets, or you own real property, uh, you should probably have a living trust. Okay. If you don't, then a will is fine. Because if you don't have that level of assets, there's not going to be a probate when you die. Mm -hmm. But in that will, you can specify. Uh, my assets will go into a special needs trust. So you can direct that inheritance for the beneficiary in a special needs trust. Also upon incapacity. So what if something happens to that parent and they're not competent enough to take care of their child? Mm -hmm. uh, well, they can set up powers of attorney um, that can give somebody the authority to manage their finances for them and even make gifts to their child who has special needs so that there's a continuum of care. Because if they don't have anything set up, then somebody has to go to court, get a conservatorship for the parent, which is very costly, mm -hmm. takes a lot of time. There's a lot of court oversight. And so, yeah, it's definitely important for everybody to have some level of estate plan. So in the long run, this is really going to benefit people. I mean, they can't mm -hmm. keep their head in the sand about this because this is something mm -hmm. that really needs to be done in almost every situation with exactly. a special needs child. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Everyone needs to get this done at some point. I mean, it's, it's uh, not fun to think about mm -hmm. our death right. you know, and planning for that, but everyone's going to die at some point. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I tell people, if you know the date you're going to die, just come in the day before. And we'll get it done. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and unfortunately, we don't have that luxury when we have special needs. Kids. No, we, we don't. We have to suck it up at some point. Now, uh, we want to make sure that people know where they can find you. Uh, because you've been here and clearly you know what you're talking about and for those in this area you know you're a good choice mm -hmm. uh, so where can they find you uh, they can go on my website okay. uh, to find my location and contact information my website is www.woodtrustlaw.com wonderful so, yeah. you have an email they can reach you at yeah so it's steven s-t-e-p-h-e-n at woodtrustlaw.com. Okay. And, um, you know, if they just have questions mm -hmm. or they're not sure if they want to move forward yet, feel free to contact me. Okay. You know, I want to be a resource. Okay, great. Because I know that it can be very stressful and overwhelming. Yeah. So the big $64,000 question, mm -hmm. why did you choose this? Oh, that's a great question. So <laughs> in law school, uh -huh. um, I took a wills and trusts class like uh -huh. most 
law students do. Mm -hmm. And it really piqued my interest, and so I did some free legal clinics while I was in law school on estate planning. Um, learned about special needs trusts um, probably after I graduated, went into estate planning, had clients who had special needs children, and, and I thought, you know, this is an area where these parents really need yeah. somebody who knows what they're doing to help them. And I didn't find that there were a lot of those attorneys, and I really liked helping people. I'm a helper. And so I chose you know, this area of law, and I've been very happy with it. Great. I always find it interesting what people find reinforcing. Yes, I know. The, the <laughs> word that we use in the ABA world is, you know, what's reinforcing to you and how, I, you know, and I was just saying this last week that I'm, I'm amazed. We did not choose to be in this community. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we were enlisted. Uh, <laughs> without yeah. our say and we're here and we're thrilled to be here and and of course we have given our all to this community in this uh, type of situation but it's always interesting to me when somebody chooses chooses it and it, I don't know why but it gives me hope right I agree um, it gives me hope for the future that it, it because you're willing to be in this area and get in the trenches with families in mm. fact in the worst part of it mm -hmm. um, but I would, I would imagine that at this point in your career, you've had somebody end up needing your services. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the result of what happens with the trust after somebody's been incapacitated or has passed away? I have, yeah. Yeah, there was a, a client I had who had a, a child with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And when they passed away and we were administering the trust, uh, and the trustees in this case, it was the, the child's two sisters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have two trustees, by the way, make sure they get along. These two sisters, okay. they got along very okay, well. Okay, good. Um, and it was awesome to see how they loved their brother and how they managed the money for their brother and made sure it was growing, made sure the brother got extra therapy that he needed, was in a good living situation. I mean, they, they were just the best trustees. And because they knew their brother, um, they knew what he wanted, they knew what he liked, they knew what he disliked. They were able to provide the best quality of life possible for him. And really, that's the major objective of a special needs trust. It's about providing the best quality of life possible for the beneficiary. It's not just about not disrupting public benefits, mm -hmm. which is sometimes what people focus on. Right. Um, it's about providing the best quality of life for that beneficiary. Well, when you think about it, that parent who took the time to do the trust mm -hmm. gave a gift to all three of their children because mm -hmm. they made sure that their son was taken care of, but they made sure that the responsibility that was being visited upon the sisters mm -hmm. wasn't overwhelming mm -hmm. and something that they would, you know, over, you know, have have their finances drained, have their fine, you know, their emotional you were the sister of a Down syndrome right. young man, and right. you would have, if things had worked out so that he had lived, outlived your parents, mm -hmm. you, I know you would have been the uber on it sister, but it right. would have been nice, had that been, you already had a child of your own, it would have been nice if it had been easier. Yes. Emotionally and financially. Right. That's right. the word I wanted, emotionally. Right. right. In any case. Well, all it right. sounds like this is something that obviously all people need to take a good, serious look at and have a discussion, and as I said, not put their head in the sand about it, but look at it with an open mind and in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So your website okay. again? At woodtrustlaw.com, so www.woodtrustlaw, 
Facebook.com. All right. Okay. Well, we thank, thank you so you, much Stephen for being Lloyd, here. for joining us. We've only thank got you. one minute left okay. of the show, so you if would... you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to stay here just while we close out the show. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about tomorrow? Yes, got big up. show tomorrow. Um, we are having, excuse me, uh, Emily Island mm -hmm. and her son Tom Island are going to be on the show to talk about what happens after schooling is done. So that that cliff piece, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to share information about what they did and what other people can do, no matter where you are in the age spectrum right okay. now, to be making it so that there isn't this abrupt cliff. Then we're having uh, Bonnie Yates, special education attorney, talking about IEP season, which is uh, rapidly approaching. Mm -hmm. And then we have Alex Plank. Okay. We were just talking about he was last on the good doctor. He was on the good doctor last week, played one half of the romantic couple. Uh -huh. And Alex is going to be with us to talk about what that was like for him as a person on the spectrum, being on the set at Good Doctor, mm -hmm. playing someone who had a type of autism that is not the same type of autism that Alex has. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited that Alex is going to be with us yeah, to talk be about really that. He's an old to... friend of the show, and it's yeah. really fun to see him thriving mm -hmm. and getting some of the recognition that he deserves. So okay. that all tomorrow, Good show. plus more, plus some mindfulness, um, and maybe even an autism in the classroom tip, and okay. some questions. My goodness. Let's get it all. Get it all uh, in. Get it all in with a shoehorn. Anyway, we're out of time, but I want to thank you, Nancy, and I want to thank all of our guests for being with us today. It's been great. Uh, so we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And, and give yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.